Will we lose our history to climate change? That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. is the biggest museum complex in the world and contains irreplaceable artifacts from the Star-Spangled Banner and Lincoln's Top Hat to Dorothy's Ruby Slippers. But several of the Smithsonian buildings were built on or near marshland, and as the climate warms and sea levels rise, scientists say some of them could eventually be underwater if global temperatures exceed 1.5 degrees Celsius compared with pre-industrial levels. Already, heavy rainstorms have inundated museum basements where many priceless holdings are stored due to lack of space. According to the New York Times, at the American History Museum, water is already gurgling up through the floor, finding gaps in ground-level windows and dripping from ductwork onto display cases. An assessment of the Smithsonian's vulnerabilities was released last month, saying that not only are artifacts in danger, but also that water could knock out electrical and ventilation systems that keep the humidity at the right level to protect art, textiles, documents, and specimens. The Smithsonian is asking Congress to fund floodgates and pumps to protect buildings from rising water, as well as money to construct a storage site in Maryland for items from the American History Museum and the National Gallery of Art. Until then, staff are using do-it-yourself measures like sandbags and garbage cans to prevent climate change from wiping out national treasures. Trees are becoming important tools for city planners as concrete and buildings replace vegetated areas, Besides making us feel good, trees perform many practical functions like providing shade and cooling the air on hot summer days. Trees also clean the air by taking out pollutants like carbon dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, and particulates. After oceans, forests are the largest storehouse of carbon, absorbing close to one-third of emissions from fossil fuels. Now, a new study from the University of Maryland shows that trees planted in urban areas can do more. They capture, store, and release stormwater back into the atmosphere, a process called transpiration, at three times the rate of trees in forests. Urban surfaces contain pollutants like industrial chemicals and fertilizers, and after rains, the contaminants can flow into creeks and streams. But the study suggests that even isolated trees along a street or in a park can absorb significant amounts of stormwater, and by doing so, lower the risk of flooding and improve water quality. The author said their research can help planners to use trees as tools to control runoff and protect waterways. Speaking of trees, across the West, drought has been blamed for beetle infestations that have attacked and killed ponderosa pines by chewing through bark and destroying their circulatory systems. Populations of the insects have increased dramatically when it's dry. But now, scientists from Los Alamos National Laboratory and North Carolina State University have concluded that climate change speeds up the life cycle of the western pine beetle, contributing to the death of almost a third more trees than if there hadn't been global warming. One of the researchers said that the warming climate means beetles are able to reproduce more efficiently. More beetles, more dead trees. Also, with higher temperatures, beetles die less often in the winter. Pines can defend themselves against the invaders, but during drought, 
their ability to expel the pests is reduced as the trees slow photosynthesis to save water. The U.S. Forest Service has shown that in some areas, nearly 90% of the large ponderosa pine trees have died, but the new research shows it would have been less severe if temperatures had been closer to historic averages. And finally, marine invertebrates like octopuses, squids, crabs, and lobsters might be feeling joyful this week. Experiencing joy is part of being sentient, which is the capacity to have feelings like pain, pleasure, hunger, excitement, or even anxiety and boredom. Earlier this year, the UK Parliament introduced a bill that recognized all vertebrate animals, creatures with backbones, as sentient and warranting legal protections. And last week, it amended the bill to include invertebrates. The decision was based on a report by the London School of Economics, which reviewed over 300 scientific studies to conclude that all decapod crustaceans like lobsters and crabs and cephalopod mollusks such as octopus and squid have complex central nervous systems, which is one key hallmark of being sentient. However, the language in the new animal welfare sentience bill may not offer a whole lot of comfort and joy to marine creatures. It wouldn't affect any existing legislation or industry practices such as fishing, and there wouldn't be any direct impact on the shellfish or restaurant industry. It's only meant to consider animal welfare in future decision making. We think if an octopus could speak, it might call the bill spineless. That's it for this week in water. To all our sentient listeners on the planet, a reminder that our reporting is possible because of your financial support. Visit h2oradio.org and thank you.